Class is in session. Here's, here's your host, DJ AAA. used to hear as a kid when describing someone with a drug or alcohol problem. The saying went that he or she has a monkey on their back. Where did this saying come from? To be honest, I don't know. But the monkey is real and people who are on that end see it and even talk to it. ago, I was researching the lives and tragic deaths of Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, and Janis Joplin. And what I noticed was a unique similarity. These people all died at the same age of 27. My dad, if he were alive, would say that they all met the monkey. As I continued researching, I also learned that throughout history, there are many entertainers who have died at age 27. So many, in fact, that a club was named for them. And there are even songs that mention them. No matter where I roam tonight, I'm chasing history. And we still like guys better. The Beatles or the Stones,
This is Alexander Levy, no relation. Mr. Alex is a Brazilian composer and pianist born in 1864 and died mysteriously in 1892. He is the club's first inductee and someone who I believe met the monkey. In tonight's music detention, we're going to discuss the members of the 27 Club, the exclusive club filled only with a select group of entertainers who I believe met the monkey. Because of my dad, I have a theory. My theory is based on a story that he told me, my little sister, and my best friend when I was about nine or 10 years old. To make this work, I need to tell you this quick story. It had been a few years since my mother and father split. Pop had a dream. My mother knew it. And long story short, she gave him an out so maybe they could both be happy. In 1969, my dad turned 27. He landed a deal with a label out of Chicago. And when Pop wasn't writing and singing, Pop was on the road as a singing rhythm guitar player for several touring R&B artists. Bobby Womack was one of them. Now, before you get excited thinking that this is a Bobby Womack story, it's not. I believe this story is bigger because this story is about my dad and his meeting with the monkey. Does it rain in California I said, Pop was 27 years old and he was living like a rock star, touring, writing, and singing on records, playing a different town and meeting people of all sorts. In the Crossroads class, I spoke of Mephistopheles, the Mississippi Crossroads demon, who offered Robert Johnson, who by the way, died mysteriously at 27 years old the gift of talent and popularity in exchange for his soul. What I neglected to mention was the monkey. Pop told me, my little sister and best friend, that the monkey looks like a monkey. It's okay to laugh, but per my pop, the monkey has flaming red eyes. It wore a leather belt with a big gold or brass buckle. My father says that the monkey only came to visit him when he was very high, very drunk, or both. Pop told us that. He would somehow make it home from a gig, um, a, the studio, or a rehearsal, 
get into bed and try to sleep off whatever he had overdone. He said that he would hear someone talking and the chatter wouldn't stop. Once Pop realized that the voice was near him, he would open his eyes and he'd see it. The monkey. The monkey would be sitting at the foot of the bed with his back to Pop and it would be reflecting, but only about things that my father had done. It reminded Pop that he left his wife and how hurt she was that he chose music over his kids and family. These were all things that my dad was fighting with. The monkey would just sit there, expressing its displeasure. Sometimes, the monkey would light up a cigarette as it went on and on, and Pop said that he would just lay there, too scared to move. Finally, the monkey would say, I know you're awake. I know that you can hear me talking to you. And then it would turn around to face my dad with those fiery red eyes. Pop said that he was paralyzed. He couldn't even speak. He would just lay there and pray that the monkey would disappear. Pop told us that he stopped sleeping in his bedroom after his second meeting with the monkey and began sleeping on the tattered sofa in his living room. The monkey would call out to Pop from the bedroom. I know you can hear me. You might as well come in here. Pop worked up the ability finally to yell, go away, go away. And eventually the sound would stop. Pop would get up and peek in the bedroom and the monkey would be gone. The last time that Pop saw the monkey was a night when he came home after performing with a local band over in Kansas City, Kansas. He said that the gig went well. Everybody was on point. The venue was packed to capacity. The crowd was receptive and the owner and promoter made a fortune. Pop said that he and his friends pretty much celebrated the way that they do. And after the show, Pop managed to make his way back to his apartment. He walked into the house, into the bedroom, and right past the monkey without seeing him. Pop saw the monkey staring at him from the bed behind him when he looked into the mirror. Pop said that without a word, he ran out of the apartment and slept in his car. The next morning, he gathered his things and told the manager that he had to move to Chicago. One more thing, my dad had a friend named Wayne. He was an amazing singer and keyboard player. Mr. Wayne was also a big time drug addict. One night, this dude jumped out the window of his second story apartment and somehow he lived through it. Mr. Wayne later told my dad when he was released from the hospital that the monkey told him that he was worthless and he needed to jump. Maybe it was because of all the stuff that he was doing. I don't know. Years later, actually, it was 1988. I played my first gig as a sub for Mr. Wayne. He had overdosed on something 
and was rushed to the hospital. About a month after that, Mr. Wayne died. It was an overdose that finally killed him. He was found in a vacant house, and it was the smell of his decaying body that alerted the neighbors. would not go to Clarksdale. Growing up in Mississippi, he had heard all the stories, and later, with everything he had seen, I guess I understand why he didn't want to go. To us younger drug-free musicians, the crossroads was just a myth, but to my dad, it was very real. Pop hadn't seen the monkey in years. Now it could be because he slowed down. But the dude still did his thing. What I now believe is that the monkey only comes to those or works the hardest on those who are 27 years old or or near the edge like George Jones back in his heyday. How fun was a monkey working for a living? I'd be a instead of a hanging by my tail. And I'm willing to bet a cold sarsaparilla that each of the members of the 27 Club was with the monkey when they died. We won't cover every member of the 27 Club. There's just too many for the time slot. But we will, however, discuss the top five or six. Open your music history books to 2011. We will begin with the tragic ending of Miss Amy Winehouse. something incredible. She achieved record sales in the U.S. market that surpassed what the Beatles had done in the 1960s. She also matched Beyonce Knowles and Adele Atkins in Grammy Award wins in one night. 
and she did this while in her early and middle 20s. Miss Amy was a for real jazz chick. Now, I don't mean the watered down instrumentals to popular pop and R&B tunes played by many of today's so-called jazz stations. <laughs> nah, I mean the real and swinging big band stuff from the 1940s and 1950s. To give you an example, when Amy Winehouse was 12 years old, she applied to attend the Sylvia Young Theater School. Her audition song was Louis Armstrong's version of On the Sunny Side of the Street. Wow. Grab your boat, grab your hat, baby. Be your worries on the doorstep. Just direct your feet on the sunny side of the street. Can't you hear that Peter Patrick? The happy tune is yours there. Life can be so sweet on the sunny side. I used to walk in the shade with those blue lumberjacks. But I'm not afraid, baby. My rover runs over. If I never ever sense I'll be rich as a rocky fellow With gold just at my feet On the sunny side of the street Now there are tons of biographies about Miss Amy Winehouse from historians who are a lot better at this than me. This is my disclosure. If you want the skinny on the true life of Amy Winehouse, look her up. My history with Amy Winehouse only goes as far as learning her material for the cover bands that I played in in the early 2000s up to about 2009. Now, if you're ready, let's get into the thick of this. Frank 
When you look at Miss Amy from the outside, you see a young, beautiful, and slightly rebellious woman. Now, there's nothing unusual about that. It's what you don't see that matters. Amy Winehouse had something going on. Maybe it was the loss of her grandmother, Cynthia. Miss Amy had her image and name tattooed on her right shoulder. Whatever it was, she tried to drown it with alcohol. And that's an invitation for the monkey. But it doesn't stop there. Because when the monkey comes, it brings it. A no-holds-barred fight to the end with you. I believe that the monkey got clever on Miss Amy. So to capture her, he brought a dude into her life named Blake Fielder Seville. Miss Amy never saw the tidal wave that was coming. Amy Winehouse was killing it. In 2002, she signed with Simon Fuller's 19th Management and soon recorded a number of songs before signing a publishing deal with EMI. In 2003, after forming a working relationship with producer Salam Remy, Miss Amy released her debut album, Frank. Now remember, she's a jazz cat. The way we were will never be Frank was a success in the UK and was nominated for the Mercury Prize. And her song, Stronger Than Me, won Miss Amy the Ivor Novello Award for Best Contemporary Song from the British Academy of Songwriters, Composers, and Authors. Miss Amy released her follow-up album, Back to Black, in 2006. That album went to become an international success and one of the best-selling albums in UK history. And at the 2007 Brit Awards, 
Back to Black was nominated for a British Album of the Year, and Miss Amy received an award for British Female Solo Artists. The song Rehab won Miss Amy a second Ivor Novello Award. And at the 50th Grammy Awards in 2008, Amy Winehouse won five awards, again tying Beyonce and Adele. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no. talk negatively about Blake Fielder Seville, but this dude was bad news. Amy Winehouse said that Mr. Blake was her soulmate. The guy's intentions may have been good at first. No, you know what? I don't think I can run with that one. Mr. Blake was a walking, talking train wreck. And he rolled into Miss Amy's life in 2005 like a rail car with no brakes. He invited Miss Amy on, and she went on, a turbulent on-again, off-again six-year ride that left her as an alcoholic, a junkie, and a crackhead. Miss Amy wasn't an angel. The monkey was already there. But Mr. Blake helped the monkey onto Miss Amy's back. Just to be stronger than me You've been here seven years longer than me Don't you know you're supposed to be the man Now pale in comparison to who you think I am You always want to talk it through I don't care I always have to comfort you
Winehouse died of alcohol poisoning at her home in Camden, London, after a three-day binge on the 23rd of July, 2011. Miss Amy Winehouse was only 27 years old. After her death, Back to Black briefly became the UK's best-selling album of the 21st century. VH1 later ranked Miss Amy Winehouse 26th on their list of the 20 greatest women in music. You're listening to Music Detention, and I am DJ AAA. With DJ AAA. The death of another rock musician was disclosed today. Jim Morrison, 27 years old, lead singer of The Doors. His manager said Morrison died six days ago in Paris, either of a heart attack or pneumonia. But the death was kept secret to avoid a sensation. He was buried in Paris in the same cemetery where Balzac and other French immortals lie. Jim Morrison, the lead singer for The Doors, a rock music group, is dead. He was 27. His personal manager said he died in Paris, probably of heart failure, last Saturday. Come on, come on, come on, come on, now. Said to be more dangerous than Elvis Presley and prettier than Mick Jagger, the Lizard King, Mr. Mojo Rising, Jim Morrison, brought sexy to 60s rock music. He had a bigger-than-life present. Problem is, I don't believe he ever wanted it. Now
there are two people in this story. Jim Morrison, psychedelic and blues rock music's sexiest man of the spoken word. These two people were in a life and death fight. at the time sexy man wanted nothing to do with his persona and the poet and wannabe filmmaker like most artists only wanted to be recognized and understood give up your vows give up your Turn your music history books to California, 1965. Greetings, loved ones. Let's take a journey. Jim Morrison fled to the University of California, Los Angeles, to get away from his parents, mainly his father, Rear Admiral George Stephen Morrison, a decorated Navy veteran of three wars. Dad was disciplined, and he expected his son James to follow in his footsteps. But Jim just wasn't feeling it, and he did everything possible to let his dad know that. At 19, Jim Morrison was arrested in Tallahassee, Florida for disturbing the peace and drunken behavior at a football game. It was September 1963. So in comes the monkey. 
People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. When you're strange. By the time Jim Morrison reached California, he was addicted to alcohol. Maybe his bout with liquor was his way to forget. When Mr. Jim was three or four years old, he and his parents witnessed the aftermath of an automobile accident where several Native Americans were lying dead or dying on the road. He later wrote about this experience in the Doors song, Peace Frog. Find this song on the 1970 album Morrison Hotel by The Doors, or if you are a true Doors fan, The Doors of Perception. This was taken from the title of an Aldous Huxley book, which was taken from a concept from English poet William Blake. If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is. Infinite. <laughs> wow. Mr. Jim was way ahead of his time. He knew it and he struggled with it. His biggest fight still was with how people saw him. They saw him as a rock star and that's not what he wanted. But it was making him and everyone around him rich. His problems happened when he gave into his stardom. Mr. Jim and the monkey would do stuff just because. Jim Morrison had constant run-ins with the law. There were a few times when Mr. Jim was arrested even while performing. Additionally, there were times when people found Jim Morrison shrunk and sleeping in the gutter outside of the Sunset Strip's Whiskey A Go-Go. Now, I've been there, and let me stop for a second. I know that times have changed, and public places aren't as safe as they used to be. But if you can get your spirit of adventure back, I beg you to go to Los Angeles, Hollywood, Long Beach, Huntington Beach, and Venice Beach. Man, I had some of the best times. They talk, they knock me out when 
state of Mississippi. Papa was a copper and the mama was a hippie. In Alabama, she was swinging a hammer. Price you gotta pay when you break the panorama. She never knew that there was anything more than gold. What in the world does your company take me for? Black bandana, sweet Louisiana. Robbing on a bank in the state of Indiana. She's a runner, rebel and a stunner. From the mirror way saying, baby, what you gonna? Looking down the barrel of a hot man Just another way to survive I played some amazing clubs, and Californians are actually fun people. I once played an audition with some guys I met the night before that needed a bass player to get a gig. Maybe this is the best set I ever played. The band I was with was playing the House of Blues on the Sunset Strip. It was a Friday night and the house was packed. The following night, we played a smaller venue named the Blue Cafe. I had played there twice before, and each time, it was a blast. The bigger party was in the bathroom. Both men and women were allowed in, and it was always standing room only. Now, let's finish this. Jim Morrison had a thing for alcohol, LSD, and heroin. And honestly, his thing was killing him. Mr. Jim needed an escape. He had problems with the cops in Florida. His band was mad at him because of his behavior on stage. And for real, for real, the dude only wanted to do what he loved doing. And that was writing and hanging out with the love of his life. So he and his girlfriend, Pamela Curson, packed up and they went to Paris. Mr. Jim and Miss Pamela got an apartment. Now, I would attempt to say the name of the place, but I would more than likely hack it up. Anyway, Mr. Jim self-published a book of his poetry. It didn't become a New York bestseller, but Mr. Jim was happy because he was finally doing his thing. Miss Pamela was happy because she finally had Mr. Jim to herself. The problem was, Mr. Jim was dying on the inside, and he didn't know it. There are stories of him coughing up blood, feeling fatigued, and having bouts with the hiccups.
morning that Mr. Jim died, he was in his bathtub. The night before, the monkey watched as Mr. Jim and Miss Pamela snorted lines of heroin. Mr. Jim wanted to relax before going to bed. Miss Pamela fell asleep while waiting on him. It was about 6 a.m. when Miss Pamela woke up. She didn't see Jim laying next to her, so she went to the bathroom, and that's where she found him, still lying in the bathtub, and Mr. Jim wasn't breathing. Pamela didn't speak French, so she couldn't call the paramedics. So instead, she called their drug dealer for help. He told her to flush the remaining drugs and to get cleaned up before the paramedics arrived. If you give this man a ride, sweet family will die. Kill her on the road. Yeah. Since the last piece of work published was his poetry, I'ma go out like this. James Douglas Morrison was pronounced dead due to an accidental heroin overdose at 6 a.m. on July 3rd, 1971. Mr. James was 27 years old. Or was he? I mean, dead. Some believe that James Morrison faked his death and is still alive somewhere. Man, <laughs> I sure hope so. You're listening to Music Detention, and I am DJ AAA. Your Saturday Night Study Hall with DJ AAA. Before the bell sounds, I have some honorable mentions. you want but if you try sometime 
Brian Elmo Jones was an English multi-instrumentalist best known for founding one of my favorite rock and roll bands of all time, the Rolling Stones. Prescription I was standing in line with your friend Jimmy. A man, did it look pretty ill? We decided that we would have a soda. My favorite flavor is cherry red. Jimmy, and you said one word to me, and that was dead. I said that you can't always get what you want, honey, and you cannot always get the man that you want, and you cannot always get the man that you want. But if you try sometime, I just might find, I just might find. Brian Jones created and led the band, but there was trouble within the ranks and the smell of mutiny was in the air. Problem was, leader Elmo Jones was oblivious to see it. See, Mr. Brian had that monkey on his back and as talented as he was, he was destroying his band. Mick Jagger and Keith Richards wanted to take the Rolling Stones into a different direction, so they began steering the band away from Brian Jones. Now, this got a lot easier as Mr. Brian's addictions to drugs and alcohol progressed. It was Mr. Brian and Keith Richards who developed their unique playing style. This style was called weaving, and it became the trademark sound of the Rolling Stones. In June of 1969, Brian Elmo Jones was forced out of the Rolling Stones, and he was replaced by Mick Taylor. And unfortunately, less than a month later, Mr. Brian was found dead at the bottom of his pool. It was July 3rd, just like with James Morrison, but it was 1969. Yeah. 
You know, hardly anyone remembers Brian Jones and his contributions to the British explosion. and his ministers, Anastasia screamed in Okay, the monkey's hard at work, and he's not done, so we're not done. And there are several more club members that we will discuss. Pleased to meet you.
my dad wrote a book about his life. After he died, my stepmom, who I hope is listening, asked me to publish it. The book is titled Straight From The Soul and it's available on Amazon. I will post information about this book on the Music Detention Facebook page. I am plugging Pop's book because he wrote about every encounter that he had with the supernatural, beginning when he was a small child. I remember all of these stories. Some of them kept me up at night. thinking about narrating an audiobook. Maybe Pop's book will be my first. You guys keep me accountable. Music Detention is produced by Smiley Enterprises Incorporated. Re-recordings for personal use are prohibited. I'm just an old guy with a microphone who listened to a lot of radio as a kid and played in a gazillion cover bands during a 30-year span. I talk about my experiences and what I remember, but don't take my words as the law. Question what you hear, look it up, and correct me when I'm wrong. Maybe the way I remember it isn't exactly how it was. For show transcripts and other useful information, go to the Music Detention website. We spell music with a Z and a K. There is also a Facebook page, and it would be great if you logged on and started a conversation. You can also ask for the names of the songs that I spun for this class, or some of the past ones I don't mind sharing. Lastly, many of these episodes are placed on demand. Just check this radio station's app or their website for a list of what's available. And as always, I want to thank you for listening. Have a great week. You're listening to Music Detention, and I am DJ AAA. If you've missed one of your favorite episodes of Music Detention and want to listen again, catch up on demand on the Cool Oldies app, available on iOS and Android. The Cool Oldies is owned by Strickland Media Group Incorporated. Class is dismissed. <laughs>